Hello, everybody. Welcome to another in-between episode of This Is Gonna Hurt, your fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So over the last couple of weeks, more than a couple of weeks, you've heard from each player about their characters and their history and what, you know, cool stuff they've done in the world so far. So this week we're turning the tables and we're actually going to interview Owen about the process of creating the world and being a DM and all that really cool stuff. So we're each going to take turns asking him questions and put him on the spot for once. Oh, crap. Yeah. We're going to get you. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, um, yeah but oh, going to give it to you. That was bad. The microphone I am your god. All right. So won't respect me. You will fear me. All right. So I'm gonna get this started. This is your first time being a full-time DM for a campaign, so that's pretty cool. Uh, see, senor. Yeah. Real quick, how has your process of planning the adventures we go on changed from like the beginning of the season to the end of the season? That's a good question. When we first started playing, I planned way too much, both in terms of details that I thought were important and also length of sessions. So what I thought was going to be our first session that information ended up covering sessions one, two, and three. <laughs> so I thought things would go way faster than they do. But because I, for, you know, to me, it, you know, I was thinking in terms of like writing a video game, you know, where like, you know, you just fast forward through all the dialogue, you know, you just, you just spam the B button to get through the dialogue and you run, you know, and you, you just kind of figure things right, out as right. you go. And, you know, I just totally forgot that like, you know, even in, a, even in like a video game, you know, you'd be like, well, I'm not going to do the main storyline right now. I'm going to go like, Save up enough gold to buy a house. You know, you do random crap. So I, I planned, I think, too much time-wise. In that regard, I, I've, I've, I plan less. So in the final episode of season one, where you guys were actually in the elemental plane of air, I only had three things that I knew were going to happen. Everything else I made up on the fly, including the islands that you went to, the fact that you met Vertos and that he was a all of that totally made up depending on what you guys threw at me. I had things like I knew I wanted a skill challenge through a labyrinth. I knew I wanted you to ride on giant eagles. Um, all those things I had kind of set in my mind. A lot of that, most of that, I should say, I just kind of made up because as I said in one of the episodes, it's actually way better when you guys kind of drive the ship. And when you guys like are like, hey, what's over there? And I just kind of think on the spot, like, oh, what would be the best thing for Brimley to see over there? I, f I think that kind of kind of comes across better in terms of storyline. It also it also saves time. Like when I when we first started, I was making cards, you know, color coded cards for every stinking little detail. And just so much of it didn't get used. And so, yeah, I think I, I think I prepare less and rely on my ability to make things up on the fly and y'all's ability to be better at driving the boat than me cool you kind of touched on something there i think you called the uh the genie by his name i don't think you did that in the podcast i did you did i don't pay attention 
<laughs> so and you Mike, listened to it twice because you had yeah, it. <laughs> I'm still going to ask my question because I still thought it was a good question, even though I just messed that up. Sure. How many details like that do you come up with that we never uncover? <laughs> oh, so many. <laughs> can you can you give us like five greatest hits? Oh, crap. <laughs> or three. I feel like three is a more reasonable number. No. Now that you're putting me now that you're, now that you're putting me on the spot. This is like categories. Name any well, word that starts with a B. So think of anything. I guess for me, what's more, what what is in existence but gets just very very slowly revealed over time so from here we're going to do a history of a truant episode uh, not not this one but 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 the next one and so that's actually going to have a lot of details that are things that i thought of but just don't organically fit into the story a lot like they're you know i know the atrunian days of the week i know the atrunian months um in the year and things like that and and the ages and the you know the big events that separate those things again the, the minor details i you know, like like Vertos and Stumra are two names that I came up um, on the fly. I was saying, okay, what am I going to name this this Aragonazi woman? And I, you know, she had gray hair, so I'm thinking of storms. And I took the word storm, and from it, I flipped the letters around and came up with Stumra. I do that a lot when <laughs> I need to make names. I take the word, I flip the letters around. Vertos, uh, so it's like the word uh, Veritas, which is truth. And uh, you know, I don't know why, but it just he just seemed like an honest character. Cool. And so the word Veritas popped in my head. And so, you know, flipped them around to make. Uh, and then and then some some of the um, in different languages, the word wind uh, start their V words um, in a few different languages. And so that, that kind of gotcha. was in my head, too. Yeah. Like, like so like little details are things that have, have been shared in the podcast, like like Aegisar Rorak, you know, just a random sounding name. But, you know, that was that was like really specific to me. He was he, Aegisar Rorak is the first character. Aegisar Rorak is the beginning of the entire me figuring out what the story is going to be about. He's li- he literally is like one of the first things that got created was I want this really powerful mage. Okay, why do we need a powerful mage? Well, I guess he could be a bodyguard of the king. Well, who would the other king's bodyguards be? And the story unfolded from there. Aegisar was like the beginning of that all. And again, the meaning of his name, Aegis being um, Zeus's shield in Greek mythology and Rorak being the town that the white wizard in a Teen Titans episode is from. And, you know, in my head, he was just kind of like a combination of those two ideas. So there are a lot of like, like the 12 hands, like all their names have, have pretty specific meanings. And, you know, we don't get to like go there a lot. Right. I actually want to correct something in the, in a past episode. I said that Dira meant uh, eagle and that Haytham means eagle. Haytham does mean eagle. Going through my notes, uh, Dira actually means courageous. So Dira Haytham actually means courageous eagle, which kind of fits her personality right. more than just eagle eagle. Um, so yeah so i think names there are there are a lot of little hidden hidden things like that 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 won't get touched on as frequently okay i'm gonna hand it over to the next person in a second but owen's had this list of questions about our characters that he's been asking us (laughs) so now i'm gonna ask him one of these questions about one of the characters he's made oh so i thought you were gonna ask about my life and i was like (laughs) no we're not gonna go there i was like well that's Um, personal um okay so give me a second to pick a number here. Actually, can somebody toss me a number between one and a hundred? By the way, I'm going to give you 97. I'm going to give you free reign on the characters. Okay. So it doesn't even have to be a character you've met. It could be a character that you've just heard about, okay. um, but I'll give you free reign on the characters. I may not answer it. 
Craig's gonna be like, but I'm gonna try. Just, <laughs> just, just, like, like when <laughs> How does Dira feel about dating dragonborn men? <laughs> so, all right. So Craig gave me question number ninety-seven. So question number ninety-seven is what is one thing for which you would most like to be remembered for after your death? And I think we have a whole bunch of immortal people. I don't consider them part of that because. They won't die in the right. near future. Yeah. Right. I am curious about the little boy king prince that we met for like a minute. Prince Callum. Yes, him. So let's throw that question at him. I think Prince Callum. That's really hard. Callum has a naivety about him. He is immensely trustworthy. And I think he has a relationship with HSR in that stronger than his own father, actually. So his father being the, the king of Etrun, who has eight sons, which is a detail that has not come up yet. He's got eight sons and Callum is the youngest of the king's sons. And so I think understanding his place in like that, he will never be the king. He will never be the, the head of the army, which is, uh, you know, where like a second or third, you know, a third or fourth son may end up, you know, he'll, he'll never be a duke of a province. Cause you know, they're their own lines and things like that. Sure. I mean, he's not even, he's not even high enough to be like to join the clergy, you know, like the sixth son of the King will like join the temple of the Septumvirate and like could become the, you know, the high priest of sure. the Septumvirate, but he's not even, he's not even there. So he has this like relationship with, Aegisar in that Aegisar kind of just like fathers him in a way that nobody else does. And I think in that regard, he is most concerned about Aegisar's ideals and which is, which is almost paradoxical because Aegisar's ideals is to protect the princes. And so I don't know, there's this like weird, like intellectual thing where like Aegisar is pushing him to just be the best human that he can be. And he doesn't want to let Aegisar down, so he does that. And so he's just this, like, free-thinking, honestly, like, the best person to become the king um, <laughs> because he's got no pressure. You know, his family has put zero pressure on him, and so Aegisar has kind of mentored him in just making him a, a, just a great human being. Cool. And, again, I, I, naive is still the right word, but, you know, but because it's Aegisar. You know, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, like, his his royal family is, like, manipulating him because really he's so far down on the list that they don't even like remember that he exists and he spends his time like traveling with Aegisar. So like he was the only one that showed up to meet Aberstall when he was getting off the boat. Like Aberstall was the king's older brother. Right. And the king didn't show up. He didn't like maybe he sent that royal procession and was like Aegisar go do that and Callum right. was like can I come? But honestly in my mind it was Callum went to his father and said like Nobody's going to go meet Uncle Aberstall. Like, I'm, I'm going to go do it. You know, like he's he's that idealist. That's just and just I don't know. He just cares. Nice. Um, I guess. All right. So those are my questions. Cool. I'm going to hand it over to Alex because he's sitting closest to me at the moment. Sweet. And let him take over from there. So uh, my question uh, about like DMing process. I don't have one. You don't. <laughs> no, keep going. We're done here. <laughs> uh, no, no. So when you're when you're writing, when you're coming up with ideas for the story and how how the story is going to go, what do you like to do to kind of like get yourself like 
in that mental state? Are you like listening to music? Are you playing video games? Are you reading, reading novels? Like, what are you doing? That's a, that's a good question. I don't do any of that. <laughs> I have long, a, a while ago, I accepted that fantasy is my only hobby. And that, you know, I, because we're making the podcast and it takes time that, that I would commit myself to fantasy. And so, and even then, like reading Harry Potter books and reading other fantasy books, I see as like part of that, you know, and even, even watching goofy TV shows, you know, as my friends know, I'm really into Korean television and, and even watching goofy Korean TV shows, like the antics of, you know, these like game shows and things like that. It honestly, in a weird way, like sparks thoughts about like, you know, oh, it'd be funny if like, cause you guys are like a weird dysfunctional little family, you know, the adventurers you've all for no reason at all committed to saving the world. I mean, why is it's, it's kind of brought you together. I mean, Galandan, <laughs> Galandan threw it at you once that like, you know, the world would end if you guys don't do this and you're all just like, well, we don't want the world to end. And, and that's it, you know, like, and, and I commend all four of the characters for not really questioning that and just kind of doing it. The really beautiful thing is I've like, I've always thought it'd be really cool to like be a novelist, like write a fantasy book. And I just don't have the temperament or the patience to sit down and write a book. And I've discovered that DMing is like the perfect creative outlet for me because I only have to write like four hours of material and you guys do most of the work. And then at the end of it, there's a clear direction for what the next step is. So when we finish a session, like within the first half an hour of finishing, I pretty much know exactly what's going to happen next because you guys more than anything have done a really good job of directing, you know, what your characters want to do. In one way or another, you're going to end up in the places you need to be and fight the enemies you're going to fight. Right. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's easy. You know, death is, is a very real thing. You know, you, you can die. Like, uh, for real? Like, I'm, you, will, you will murder us? Yeah, if your character dies, I actually, I actually shoot you. I'm so, I'm so glad. <laughs> um, make it well, that's why, I, that's why I chopped <laughs> off your leg after we played the last... I, you know, you weren't... It's you, been you, really difficult. It, right? I can only imagine I adjusting. Was, I was kind of mad for a couple days. Yeah. And then I just was like, you know what? Just I had my reasons. Put your big boy pants back on. They need a little hemming. But um, <laughs> put them back on and just get back to it. So in the in the same vein of that, like the kind of like thought process of like the the thought process of doing your like writing or coming up with the mm-hmm. bit of the story that you need to come up with to kind of plant the seed in the story for us and yourself to kind of like generate this world. Uh, do you ever have like like uh, fear that like you're gonna like maybe you're gonna come up with an idea? And then you're going to like realize down the line that like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's from this book, like verbatim. Oh, no, not at all. I never have that fear. I, I've long since accepted that there is no new story. OK. And that like in the next episode, when you guys hear the history of a true like, you know, it's just a, a, a mashup right. of all other, you know, fantasy you know, ages of, you know, why that age end, you know, there's a battle of the gods and all this stuff. Like right. that's, you know, that's all mashups of things. And, and everything is remix for me more than anything. If, if someone on like Twitter or Instagram was ever like, Hey, that thing you did, like, is that from here? 
to me, that's, that wouldn't make me upset that I was discovered. It'd be like, you saw into my brain, like you, you know, you saw the thing that I was seeing and the thing I was referencing and, you know, you got it. And for, if anything, like, again, DMing for me and DMing a, a thing that like, you know, it, it's not our intent to like make money on this podcast. You know what I mean? So, right. Uh, you know, I can, I can do whatever I want. You know what I mean? I can, I can put anything and not worry that like someone's going to be like, we're going to sue you because, you know, you, you, you ripped this up. And they like, no, this is, this is my, this is our creative world and, and we're doing it purely for fun. So I get to pick the very best things from the fantasy genre and just throw them all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so Steve did this, uh, when he was just up and he was, he picked a question from this list and I'm going to pick a question from this list as well. Actually, let's do this a little differently. We picked a number. Someone picked a number at random before. I'm going to grab a D100. Good idea. <laughs> I realize we've been sitting, we've been sitting like around your apartment, your apartment for like a couple hours now. And we haven't, haven't not, rolled a single, not a single dice. dice has rolled. So I'm like, it's kind of like giving me anxiety. <laughs> 37. 37. Cool. Okay. You should pick the character that you're going to ask about before you read the question. Lilithus. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Dang, that's freaking hard. That's going to be hard. All right. Go for it. If you could change one thing from your past, what would it be and why? Lilithus. Lilithus is a, is a firm believer that the whole universe was actually created last Thursday. He's a, he's a believer in last Thursdayism, And all of our memories are implanted and yeah. fictional. And then every single, every, <laughs> like every single like ancient artifact is also just a, yes, it's, a, it's just made, yeah. made to be made to look ancient. No, I don't think without, without getting too into it, that, that was my, like, that was my quippy. I appreciated it. No, it's great. I, I appreciate it because I think that concept is hilarious. <laughs> to be to be real, um, that was just my kind of silly way without getting too meta about Lilifus. He's really hard to answer questions about. Yeah, but he. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As no, don't be. He. I'm. So I'm a little regretful. That you guys like figured it out so fast. Of like, 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 <laughs> basically, like I even as the DM, I try to follow the rules. So the twelve hands of the monarchy, the the deities all have mechanics. Aegisar, Dira, they have character sheets. The deities have character sheets. They follow the rules. I don't ever want to just be like, I create a and I've done this, you know, as a DM in the past of being just like, you know, oh, this guy has a carriage and he teleports you with, you know, overseas without you realizing it. Like, like, like for, but for no reason, you know, if, if I had figured out what spell was going to do that, it'd be one thing. You don't want a black um, box that like, just yeah, exactly. Like, you, you, there's a, there, there, there's things actually going on inside of them. Like, cause you said like character sheets, like they work mechanically. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want it to ever be like, okay, well the reason why this monster was able to defeat you is because I twisted the rules. And so for the most part, again, I've, I have been to the rules a few times, but there's always a consequence. I will say I've saved at least one character from literal ultimate death where they, they should have died, died. And I, when I tweak that rule, it's not because 
you know, it's not just because I want the character around. There is a consequence for that character. It hasn't necessarily happened yet, but there will be one. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, except with Lilifus. Lilifus is this thing that I've put into the, to the game where there are no rules that apply to Lilifus, with the one exception that he cannot leave his shop. So it contains his ability to break every rule by binding him to his shop. He's and so like, he's, he is really hard to answer that question for just because, like, I think, again, I don't I don't want to, like, make him out to be like a god above gods because he's he's, he's just he's just Lilifus. He's, he's a, a shopkeeper in a Zelda in a Zelda. Game. Yeah. You know what I mean? He is. He's the eternal. He's the eternal shopkeeper. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't even remember what the question was. Uh, if there was anything he could change about his about his past, what would it be and why? The answer could just be no. <laughs> yeah again no but see the, the answer isn't no because to say no that would still accept the notion that time applies to Lilithus period end of answer Mike dropped but these are expensive so we won't do that okay uh, I am now going to uh, step off from this uh, the, this chair of off. power and uh, hand it over to heads Hi, I'm Jeremy. Hi, I'm Jeremy. And uh, so anyways, hey, guys, I'm Jeremy. And it's my turn to ask questions to this guy, our uh, dungeon master. His name's Owen. Hi, Owen. Hey, buddy. And my first question is, where'd your pants go? <laughs> <laughs> anyways. I thought I, I thought I was safe because there's no cameras. <laughs> Should have spent more time thinking about questions while the other two were going. Instead, I was. No, that's what phones are for. Just looking at Facebook the whole time. Dang millennial. Uh, anyways, so I'll, I'll, I guess I, I have. I'll word it this way. Do you ever feel like in any of the sessions that you've made mistakes that you regret slash would ever want to change like as a, from a DM perspective? Yes. <laughs> Three or four things come to mind. Two of which I don't think I would, I would change. So, so here we go. Flurup. <laughs> I thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. I, I have been racking my brains in a way to, like, if you say it, like, flulup, or if you say, like, flulupai, or flulupe, like, a way to say it that it is less dumb. And as of right now, I cannot think of something that maintains the integrity that I said, yes, it is called a flurup, and also makes it less dumb, because that is so dumb. For now, I'm sticking with it. Again, it may become, like, flulupai, or something to that effect. So, so that's one, two, tiny, tiny, some, some things are like really dumb and they, they bug me because it'll be some like little detail that I knew from the beginning. And then in the moment, just like spaced out and I said something different and it bugs me. Like this is one, again, it's going to sound, I hate, I hate to say OCD because I think that's like a, something people say too often about nothing, but um, when you met Solus, the light of the mountain, one of the 12 hands of the monarchy on his arm, he has the, the, the tattoo of the 12 
And uh, I said it was yellow. And in my notes, it was amber, which is, you know, equal parts orange and equal parts yellow. And so it like it, 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 it drives me a little bit crazy to be like, you know, wow. So that means like the, the, the character that was supposed to be yellow now has to become amber. But it just, you know, it doesn't fit in the because, it, you know, I've known it for a year as what it was supposed to be. So little things like that drive me crazy. I'm sticking with that. He is yellow and that, you know, that I'm not, I'm not going to I wouldn't try to like retroactively change that or anything. Stuff like that does bother me. There's some broad things that I kind of regret a little bit. I was talking to someone about like details of the podcast and like a lot of the things about the storyline that I know because it's mine, uh, the, the, the overarching main storyline is mine. Again, every, most of it, I'm, I'm, I do really give credit to the four of you, but like what's going to happen is mine. And a lot of the details I know intimately. And when I talk about them, it's like, well, yeah, you might've been thinking about that for months and months and months, but you only mention it one time in the podcast. You know, I don't remember all those details. So I do have a regret that like with the secret order that Gallandan and Aberstall are a part of that you're doing this whole like mission for that, like that hasn't been touched on that much who the bad guys are, who the current monarchy is. I feel like because the monarch has been painted as a bad guy, it almost makes the current royalty sound evil, but they're, they're not evil. Um, they're just regular Kings who are beloved by their people. And so so in that regard i hope to not correct that now but in season two you know i do want to spend a little bit more time kind of revisiting you know especially some of the npcs that kind of just popped up once and who are important and so that's something else there was one more thing oh and and the last thing and this is this is actually like story-wise has so much of an effect on, on the internal reality that I will say that the thing that I said in the moment didn't happen. He didn't say it. I, I am correcting it now because it just made things more confusing in the episode where you guys were in the, the dream world. As you were progressing through the dream, the voice, every time you made a mistake, the voice said, that's not how it happened. And the reason it was doing that, and that, that part is still true is because it needed you to get to a, a certain spot in that dream. And once you got there, it wanted you to go the opposite way of what happened. So it needed you to get there. So it said, that's not how it happened. And it led you down the truth until you got to the part that it needed to change. And then this, uh, this dire weasel was going for Lorthmar the gnome. And every time you killed the dire weasel, it would come back. And in that moment, which again, we've hit the point of the dream where that's when things were supposed to change. At one point I said, that's not how it happened, which messes with the internal logic of what was going on. And so I want to correct that. And I don't think he would have said that. I don't know what he would have said. It would have been something like, you know, the gnome has to go or again, you know, do what we couldn't do, you know, because he was saying, you know, make a change here in the dream. You know, it, this is what happens in history. What would it have looked like if it was different? So I do want to say that, you know, I was, I was recently listening through as many of the episodes as I could. And I was like, wow, that really is wrong. It's just like truly wrong. So. I am. That's the only thing where I say I would say now that I'm officially saying like that line is not how it happened. <laughs> but going along with that, that like all the events afterwards still like occurred. Yes, honestly, yes, yes. Everything, okay. everything else about that is still is still redo everything is still valid. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. Because then like that like destroys a lot of 
the relationship things that happen afterwards. Well, not really, because in the end, the other two things that were said were do what we couldn't do and the gnome must die. And from all that, you know, at least Brimley and Windar got the picture that like, yeah, we have to let Lorthamar the gnome, we have to let him be killed in order for this storyline to progress. It didn't, it didn't, luckily it didn't have, um, you know, this, it was, it was confusing, but it didn't actually change the direction the storyline went. Word. Although we did just make an alternate timeline. <laughs> Barry oh. Allen, flashpoint. New 52. All right. So I guess, so that was my question to the DM. I think just ask a question to any character that I want to. Yep. Well, I'm going to. Which character are you going to ask? Oh. Oh, you'll find out. So I want to ask a question to my boy, the uh, the dragon of many colors. Oh, Oboth Kashet. Yes. And we're gonna we're gonna. What see, would you like to know? We're gonna see exactly what if I can roll a die. Why does it sound like your voice is you doing an impression of Mark Hamill doing the Joker badly? <laughs> why, is, why is your voice an impression of Craig doing impression? <laughs> 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 so, Oboth Kishet. Yes, Lothamar, what, what, what is up? What do you have in your pockets? <laughs> I love it. What does Oboth Kishet have in his pockets? In his pocket, in his pockets is just Deep emotional baggage. Um, <laughs> he has a. He's got one dragon claw. He's got one. He's got one dragon claw, and he, it like for a while it was his like arcane focus. He has this this necklace which has one dragon claw, and then it has these beads, one for every color of the every dragon that he's slain, and so I think when he was. He was he was orphaned and he, you know, he literally grew up wild um, like an animal. So this claw is like the one I, I don't want to say too much more about his his like family, but he's got this, this one dragon claw. And. You know, so so that he has like a sentimental attachment to this this claw and he doesn't need it anymore because he has the tattoos. By the way, to correct an injustice that was done, I think somebody rolled an arcana check on his tattoos and said, like, are they magical? And I said, no. And they were like an 18 or something ridiculous. And I, in the moment, I should have said, like, they're magical in that they are arcane focuses. It's like tattoos that have like little bits of rubies ground up in them, like in his skin. And that he uses as the arcane focus. So he doesn't need that necklace anymore, but he carries it with him. And I think it's the only bit of sentimentality that he carries with him. And it's not. Yeah, I can't say any more on that. But that, that's like the only thing that maybe he would keep in his pockets because he he's a essentialist. In that he doesn't he doesn't really own more than he needs. He literally just kind of wanders and just challenges himself and kills the things that he can kill. And that's it about Oboth. So I think next comes uh hey, hey Craig. Craigles. Think you're up, bud. Uh -huh. Hi everybody. Hi Owen. Hey cutie pie. Guess who? Uh Chicken Poo, that's right. Guess who? Chicken Poo. Is it winter? Yeah. Can you say hi, Owen, in Winter? Hi, Owen. Oh, it's so cute. I want to make that my text tone. <laughs> <laughs> hi, 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 Owen. 
<laughs> he has like 20 <laughs> Really? As a DM watching your world unfold out in front of you, what is the thing that you enjoy the most that players do? And that and on the flip side, what annoys you the oh. most? <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to answer this question. Spongebob references are awesome. I totally, absolutely fine with the Spongebob references. I'm going to start with the, the one I enjoy the least, the thing I enjoy the least. And everyone here is, are, are offenders of this. One more than others, but I'm not, you know, I'm not coming down too hard on him. Is it me? No. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw this, I saw this amazing picture the other day on Google which, and the, the caption, it was two pictures, one on top of the other. And the first image, the top one, the caption was, how every D&D campaign starts. And it was a picture of the Fellowship of the Ring. And then the bottom picture of the caption is, how every D&D campaign ends. And it's a picture of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> and so there are times when I want the story to be serious, to be meaningful, so that when a character dies, the first thought isn't like, well, that sucks. Where's you know. You know, yeah, and so again, there there is one one person here more than the others that does this more than the others, but you know, there there's definitely a balance, right? Because it's got to be funny, you know. If if we were doing this because we wanted to write, you know, the next, you know, Lord of the Rings, we wouldn't be doing it as a podcast, you know. I mean, like part of the fun of Dungeons and Dragons is definitely goofing around. It's just it's there's there's certain timings where it's just super frustrating, you know, because like if you know a character falls in love. Or something, you know what I mean? Like that's not necessarily the time to make a joke. It's like you know, let them, let them be in love. Let, let's have like an awe moment. You know what I mean? So and I will say it. that is. I'm in it for the lols. <laughs> I, I I know. Some people just want to watch the world burn. I want to watch the world laugh. <laughs> oh. So I will say that is probably the most frustrating part. And again, I'm not trying to be like a dictator and be like this is to be super serious. I, I definitely think like it's got to be funny. But just not every second, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't. It can be a balance between the Fellowship of the Ring and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So that's that. Nah. The, nah. This is the quest. This is spam a lot. The question I enjoy most, which I kind of referenced back when Steve asked his question, is I am. I'm always so unprepared at the random directions you guys are going to go. You know, when you guys, you know, this is way, way, way back, but you guys had to go from the low city of Valorn to the middle city of Valorn. It was as simple as like walking past the guards and then being like, where are you guys going? And then you're gonna be like, oh, we're going to Middle City. And they're gonna be like, oh, okay, you guys look, you know, like wealthy enough. Go to the Middle City. But you guys, to you, like you guys are always trying to outsmart me. Like you think that I'm just always out to kill you. I'm not out to kill you. I'm about to, I'm about to make your story as epic as possible. That's my job yeah, is to give it. you the best story, not the, the hardest story, but the best story. And so like, and you guys are like, Oh, we have to like scale the wall. We've got to go the secret way. And you get to the top and there's a 10 foot jump. You guys are like, oh, should we, should we put down a rope? Should we do it? And Craig, more than anybody, is just like, I jump off. And you take four damage. And it's like, okay. No, I took none. You took, I took, you took, no, I took you one took, damage. You took one damage. And it was like, and it was like, okay, you take one damage and you move on with your life. You know what I mean? And so you guys like, I, I love my, my favorite thing. And it's, it is, I will say at times it can be frustrating, but I love how cerebral you try to get sometimes because again, like I even said it at one point and one, I was like, this is what happens. Well, this is like, this is when the players are thinking they can outsmart their DM, which you can't. 
Because I can, I'm the molecules. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> End time. End I'm time. So I will say, like, I think the random directions that you guys will go is is probably the best thing about DMing because it keeps me on my toes. If I didn't need to think, you know, you could do this. This it would be a video game. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be you input your response, and then it gives you, you know, so it, the fact that you guys. Keep me on my toes. I really enjoy. Word. Thank you for that. And now, my sweet, my dearest, dearest, Dira. Dira Haytham. I do have a question for you. Yeah. It's not for me. Do you want me to be Dira or you want me to just answer a question about her? She's done very little talking. Dira. Yes, Windar? Just so you know, Windows Windows heart just stopped. What would you like to know, Windar? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting cold feet, but um, I that, what is, is, that is okay. I got seven. Oh, this is perfect for him. Um, I'm just gonna use my voice. Oh, <laughs> can you um? This is this isn't for me. It's for a friend. Um, <laughs> can you write a full physical description of yourself? You know, oh. you might want to include some factors such as you know height, weight. Um, race doesn't matter to me. Hair, eye color, style of dress, any tattoos. I like tattoos. Scars or distinguishing marks. And your eyes are beautiful. <laughs> so, Dira, who is a knockout. Damn! She is from a far off land. She is not a Trunian born. She is the. My universe, she is the, from the, the country, the equivalent of India. So she's from quite a distance from where you guys are. So she's dark-skinned. She has blonde hair, which she dyes. In a, in a magical world, it could be she's just, just got blonde hair, even though genetically that wouldn't totally make sense with her country of origin. She actually, she dyes her hair so that it's this, like, bright yellow blonde. Um, not white. She has golden yellow eyes. Her symbol of the 12, which is in vermilion, is on her, like her right ribs. And her armor is kind of cut on the ribs so that that piece of skin is exposed. Her height is, how tall is Windar? 6'2". 6'2". She's like, she's like 5'10". She's a tall girl. According to, you know, averages and whatnot. She keeps her hair in like one long, like uh, almost like a French braid that she kind of just like slinks. I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't go down her back. She like she keeps it in front of her. I don't really I, again, I don't really know how to oh, describe it. No, I got you. It's it's like it's slung over her shoulder. Kind yeah, of. it's like slung yeah. over her shoulder and kind of goes down her chest in the in season two. I want you to learn. You're going to hopefully you're going to learn a little bit more about the the secret order. It will gain a name, so we don't just keep calling it the secret order. You will gain more information about the bad guy order. Oh, the, the a, shadow, the shadow warrior mask people. That's what that's what they're called. Yeah, no, they actually there's they're, actually a name. They're inspired by the village people, right? man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, that's I not. Wanna that be, I want to be. macho. This is the YMCA too, right? Yeah. Young man. <laughs> I said, young man. So, as you learn a little bit more about the twelve. What you're gonna what you're gonna find out is that the twelve have in all of the cities of Etrune, there is a tower of the twelve. 
which in every tower of the 12 are apartments for each of the 12. So anywhere they, you know, they're, they're hooked up, you know? So, but that's, that's not like where they live. You're going to learn that each one of the 12 has their own private estate, which ranges anywhere from, you know, a large manor to a large castle, depending on their personal tastes and all 12 of those are in the capital city. Yeah. In that they, and they kind of surround the, the Royal palace in that, like if all of them are sleeping at home, you know, the King and his children are still completely surrounded by the 12. So again, these are, again, these are all little facts that like I have in my head and they'll never organically show up in the story. So I don't mind kind of sharing them. Deera's, I want you to think like the Taj Mahal. Mm. I don't want to say as big as the Taj Mahal, but like the 12, you know, who are, they're a human, but they're immortal. They're almost like demigods. So why not the size of the Taj Mahal? Like it's, she, she has a big estate. Yeah, I guess that could be, yeah, that could be, that could be it. How does, it. how does, how does Deer feel about one particular dragonborn? She hates all these damn lizards. The nation that she is from has a healthy sprinkling of dragonborn in their population not a not a separate group you know exiled from the rest i will say that just genetically the genetic makeup of the dragonborns in her country golden scaled dragonborns are a little bit more than norm so i don't know if that works on windar's favor in that like you're you know unique from what she like grew up with or if she has a type and you're going to have to like work a little harder because you're not, you don't quite match what her usual type is. Windar will work tirelessly. I'm sure that he will. He's, he has chiseled, <laughs> he has chiseled dragonborn abs. <laughs> All right, friends. Imagine that one. Before we go, I want to answer two questions of my own about my two favorite NPCs. One of them, which is Toko. The other is Aegisar Rorak. Here's my question about Toko. I'm going to roll right now. So the question is, Toko, where do you see yourself in five years? And that's just, that's almost too easy. I think Toko, I'll put it this way. Once this whole thing's blown over, I hope to get back to fishing and hunting and trapping. My name's Toko. I think that's what he would say. And then for Aegisar Rorak, the question is, Aegisar, how do you spend a typical Saturday night? Aegisar Rorak in his uh, private castle, his castle having a very uh, Germanic vibe. He in his lawn, he has this is going to sound ridiculous. He has several pets and they're all giant tortoises. Huh. He has a small army of giant. No, he's got like he's got like 10 or 12 giant tortoises. Now, I don't mean Galapagos tortoises. I mean, bigger than that. I mean, you Google for me. What's the largest tortoise that ever lived? And you will see fossils of the largest tortoises that ever lived. That's how big I'm talking here. He's got very big tortoises and he's got 10 or 12 of them that just cruise around his inner lawn and they eat the grass. And I think he would. On a, on a typical Saturday night, he would just sit crisscross applesauce on the top of one of their shells 
And I think he would just sit there and ponder magic with his spell book that illuminates in magical goodness. Cool. This thing's big. Yeah, they're really big. Steve um, Googled it. I did Google it. So that was our interview of Owen, our DM for This Is Gonna Hurt. We hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back in two weeks with Owen giving us a full and detailed history of Etrune. So we'll see you guys then. Peace.